You're listening to the Dirty Dozen Podcast, episode 76. This week's artist, the Almond Brothers Band. Now, it's song title story time. I'm, I'm sorry you don't love me. Melissa, I swear I'm tied to a whipping post in your dreams. But it's not my cross to bear. You knew I was a rambling man. When it's stormy Monday, boom, I always head southbound to the blue sky. You can't lose what you never had, honey. But it looks like there's one way out, and that's not revival. I don't want to waste words. That was one thing I learned from Jessica, little Martha, and every hungry woman I knew. Stand back. Nobody knows when it's the end of the line. But you're always welcome to come into my kitchen, honey, and have some mountain jam with your hosts, Rob Heitman, Midnight Rider, and Drummer Supreme, Jacob Newkirk, and our pony boy. <laughs> The one keyboardist to rule them all, Jason Weck. <laughs> hey, welcome to the Dirty Dozen Podcast. Hey guys, what's going on? Pony boy. What's up? Pony boy. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how you marry that with the keyboardist to rule them all, but I'll take it. Pony boy is the keyboardist to rule them all. <laughs> Evidently, I guess. You get the cool name though, the Midnight Rider. No, the Midnight Rider is you. Oh, thanks. And the Midnight Rider, <laughs> drummer supreme. Jacob Newkirk. That's right. I have no name. I'm always no name. <laughs> it sounds like the superhero and the sidekick, right? Midnight Rider and, and the Pony, Pony Boy. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a comic for sure. All right. Welcome to the Dirty Dozen Podcast, where I rank the Dirty Dozen or top 12 songs by the Almond Brothers Band while discussing their music and pounding back a few drinks. I'm Rob. I'm Jason. And I'm Jake. Hey, hey. I'd like to thank everyone who's been active and joining in on our conversations on Facebook. Although I can thank everybody every, each episode. I'd like to give a special shout out to John Carone, Alex Hennon, Sean Purdy, and Michael Smith. Thank you for being active, fellas. How did you guys first hear the almonds? Jason, go ahead. Since you're like three. Yeah, exactly. It was during the formative music years, the teenage years, right? That's when everybody tends to hear about bands that they're excited about. So I first heard the Almond Brothers on the radio and was just blown away by the infusion of keyboards into Southern rock, classic rock, blues. It just it, it inspired me. And to this day, hmm. I look at the Almond Brothers as the quintessential picture of what the keyboards are supposed to do in that type of music, whether they can lay back and provide the foundation, they can jump to the front to take a lead. But the way that they blended, regardless of which area you're talking about, it's absolutely perfection. Almond Brothers to this day are one of my favorite groups. Okay, Jake? Yeah, I couldn't even tell you. It's one of those bands growing up with not just the radio, but just family. I probably mentioned with the Skinner podcast, I grew up with an uncle who was from Florida and was just like, you know, the typical Southern dude. So this stuff was always playing all the time and I was just around it all the time. So, so I, you were like six years old and he was handing you some whiskey. Yeah. And he never wore a shirt <laughs> and had cut off jeans and boots and just was that kind of the Southern boy. But this, this music, I was just like saturated in. But it became a little bit later when, like you're saying, all of a sudden you, you kind of like hear things on a different level. Mm -hmm. um, you appreciate stuff, the the musicianship, especially on a band like this, where a lot of stuff probably to the average listener might go over your head. And then you start to, as a musician, listen to it and hear mm -hmm. the intricacies and the, how they're feeling each other. And because it's, it's a jam band that isn't jam bands get tired. I mean, yeah. there's a niche for it and there's a lot of people who like that space and that's great. But I get a little bored and weary of it. But this is a band that does it the right way. They played together so well and have that natural musicianship that they can sense it all. And it just, it's seamless. And they each get their space. They don't yeah. necessarily have to go for 35 minutes on a jam. Mm -hmm. Like they can go and like, okay, 
We'll yeah. play it, and as soon as you play the out, you're done. Yeah. Yep. As whenever you're ready, yeah. and you know, turn it, just go turn let loose what you need. Yeah. Yep. Except for keyboards, they give them for like four bars. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. If the Grateful Dead were any good, they'd be the Ellen Brothers. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Damn, they're fighting. I also said that too. They have two drummers and two drummers. It's uh-huh. like, yeah. I used the wrong accent. It's, yeah. hey man, those are fighting words. <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> uh, for me i think i got eat a peach on cassette i think that was my first almond thing and when i went to cds i ended up getting the best of because mm-hmm. you know how i used to upgrade kids you, we had cassettes <laughs> and then cds came out and, and you kind of replaced all of your cassettes with cds yep. yeah and you replaced all your albums with cassettes and blah 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 anyway back into the forward life so i listened to that and I heard them again in college. I used to hang out with this band in New Jersey called Colossal Street Jam. And they used to play the Stone Pony and used to go to almost every show. A friend of mine, Ron, we'd start hanging out with them. And I remember hanging out and just play. They open up for Johnny Winter. Mm, they open oh, up. Wow. So it was a lot of fun. Cool. They never really made it big. It was so much fun hanging out with them and watching them play. And they were a Southern rock band in Jersey. Southern boys in a... It, it brought me back into Yanks. like... Mm-hmm. One Way Out and a lot of other songs they used to mm-hmm. play as part of their set. So it was always kind of fun. And that got me more back into the almonds again. Jake, what surprised you about researching this podcast? I didn't research. I was just drinking, man. Well, yeah, a little both. <laughs> I mean, not too much, but I think what it kind of required was to pay attention probably to the players within each album and to see mm. who were like phased in and out, or like Dickie Betts being such an integral part and in when he was out and then someone like Warren Haynes coming in. Yep. And just to kind of hear the subtleties between players and everything with, within Derek albums Trucks. was, uh, yeah, he's yeah. a bad dude too. I, I think that was probably the more the more standout one. Yeah, for me, kind of along the same lines, uh, Chuck Lavelle. I didn't realize that he was such a big part of you know those two albums, Win, Lose, or Draw, and Brothers and Sisters. So I listened to those songs like I'm on, just assume that I was hearing Greg Allman all the way through. So hearing how he came in and then kind of look at his career afterwards and Rolling Stones, you know, huge influence there all the way to Aretha Franklin in the 80s. They got him before he was anybody. And he just was able to pour into those couple of albums and it, and it really shaped what we hear in piano heavy Allman Brothers songs. And he actually came in earlier. Like he was one of the guys that came in extra once uh, when Dwayne died early on. Right. So you heard the piano in there, and that was not Greg. That was Chuck would come in and do sessions and work with him, and he actually did some touring with him as well mm-hmm. early on. So it's not just the late stuff, but some of the earlier stuff he was on from Eat a Peach on, I think. He right. had a little taste of what that was. Yeah, they really they brought him in to really change the, the face after Dwayne died, because instead of going with a dual guitar, they wanted a second lead, and they brought mm-hmm. the piano in as that second lead, and that's what spawned songs like, you know, Jessica and stuff like that. Right, so. right, right. Yeah, they, they weren't correct in everything they did. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm totally aboard. I thought that's really a, a cool way of going at it, Yeah, especially when you're in that space where you have such an icon who passes away suddenly, mm-hmm. and... Whoever comes on board to fill that gap, whoever it would have been yeah. at that time, it would have been, you're just trying to copy. You're just trying to be him. You're right. Just, you're no Dwayne, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So when they went piano, it was a whole nother thing mm-hmm. and it still worked. And Dickie actually started playing some slide and mm-hmm. people were kind of all right with that because he's in the band already. So. Right. 
So they didn't have a really st- steady second guitar player, what, till Warren? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Probably. Mm-hmm. They had a couple other guys in there. They had Dan Toller played for a while in uh, 70, 78 to 82. He played a little for them. Who's that? Well, the Toller brothers both died shortly. He played a lot with uh, Greg. And even after the omelets were done, Dan Toller played with him oh. for quite a while. And his brother played with him briefly, but he was more of just a an add-on guy. He wasn't actually a part of the Almonds. He just played with them as a drummer. So H- How many drummers does a band need? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like that light bulb question. Yeah, Toller was a, David Toller was their drummer from 1980 to 1982, oh. and they both died uh, pretty suddenly. It's a cursed band, I think. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's sort of a spinal tap. Maybe not that bad, but... Have you guys uh, ever seen Elm Brothers? I have not seen them yeah, live uh, as opposed. I've seen a lot of concert mm. video from them, and I've always enjoyed it, but I've never seen them live. I saw Greg Ullman play for free in 2014 in L.A. at some like open uh, city park thing, and actually Sturgill Simpson opened for him. And I was up close, and I had my phone taking all this like, footage and pictures, and then my phone was old and bricked right after that, oh, and I lost all the stuff. No. But Darn I Razor. There. I was there. I know. <laughs> Flip phone. Motorola. Yeah. No, that was how I saw 38 Special at the uh, Antelope Valley Fairgrounds. Oh, uh, yeah. I saw ZZ Top there. Yeah. <laughs> I think Jake wins. <laughs> I, I do, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. I actually saw Dwayne Betts, his son, I've seen a lot of times, especially when I was playing at Piano Bar a lot down in Hollywood and that existed. And he would sit in with this guy, Austin Hanks, a bunch of times and when we would play there and like open up and stuff. Hmm. And it was it's kind of cool just to be... That's where we even saw... Um, Billy Gibbons, like he would hang out there. Yeah, we've seen the picture. Yeah, yeah, that one. (laughs) But yeah, it was was just kind of neat to see that lineage there. Jake, hashtag name dropper. (laughs) No, no, it's it's (laughs) cool. No, that's awesome. That's one of the things I learned a lot during this research is the history of the band. Mm -hmm. I read One Way Out, which is written by a uh, reporter, but he took all of their actual words. He spent a lot of time with the band Mm -hmm. over the years. And he had a good relationship with everybody in the band, whether it's Dickie, whether it's Greg, all the different factions and everything that went down. So he knew everything. He knew everybody and he, everybody trusted him. Hmm. It's a really good book. It's called One Way Out. Fantastic. I got into a lot of the things that actually happened, not from Greg's point of view, not from, well, there wasn't much from Dwayne's point of view, <laughs> but from all of the different members of the band, you got the whole picture of the band from an unbiased point of view, yeah. which was kind of cool. And, uh, you know, all of the nuances and the whole thing that happened with Greg, with the mob case, with his manager. What what happened is part of being a manager for the Almond Brothers band is providing them cocaine. <laughs> and it's, whatever it's job description. It right? is. It probably is. <laughs> but he, he ended up really getting tight with the mob on that. There's no mafia. He was being prosecuted as a distributor, which mm. he was for huge amounts, but it was only going to the almonds. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but uh, Greg got caught up in that and uh, was threatened to go to jail for a while. Oh, and, wow. And he had to actually testify against his manager. And that's wow. why the band broke up mm. at that point. And, you know, so it's Yikes. a whole bunch of things. There was a lot of bad feelings until they realized what went down. And a couple years later, the manager got out. Was released from jail. He was supposed to be there for 28 years or something Jeez. like that, but he got out in three. So go figure. <laughs> a little for good behavior. No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why. I think it was overturned for how they went after him. All right. 
I think it's time to take a drink. Join me in a belt of scotch. It's 9.30 in the morning. Yeah, but I haven't slept in days. Today, we are drinking... What should we drink for the Almond Brothers? I think there's only one option. There's only one option. What is that? It's got to be Southern Comfort. That's okay. right. We're drinking some SoCo. Haven't had this straight in a long time. Maybe, probably haven't even had it with Coke in a long time. A cola. We're talking almonds here. But uh, it's very sweet. It is. It's like a cocktail with somebody put just a little bit too much simple syrup in. Yeah. Yep. That's what it kind of tastes like. Yeah. It's not bad. It's drinkable. And that's why it's so popular in colleges. So if you're Correct. in college, let's, right. raise a, let's raise a glass of SoCal, everybody. And if, if anybody has $9, you can go to the store and pick one up. <laughs> so have a sip with us. If you're near a store right now, listen to this in the car. Stop the car. Stop at the store. Pick some SoCal up. Start drinking and get home. No, I'm kidding. In the car I, I'm kidding. I'm not saying to drink and drive. Bring it home when you finish listening to it and then drink with us because that's the awesome thing of this. So, anything else to say about SoCo? I think we're good. Yeah. Yeah. Just <laughs> brings back college memories. It does. it does. I used to go to parties and they'd have like the beer cover that you walk in to pay for the right. keg. Right. And I used to just lift up my bottle of SoCo. I'm like, that's it. Mm. Yep. And by the end of the night, that sucker would be gone. Yeah. And. I don't know if it was just me or <laughs> I think a majority of it was. So I had issues in college. <laughs> Before we begin, we'll be critically reviewing songs. We will share under 20 seconds of each tune unless there is a specific issue or criticism that we may need to highlight. And then we may do a second clip. We have made Spotify playlists. Just search official Dirty Dozen to listen to each of our lists in their entirety. This way, all the money for playing tunes will always head back to the Almond Brothers and their estates. The way this works is we combine our lists into the Almond Brothers band Dirty Dozen or top 12 songs which we will count down from 12 to 1. Nice and simple. But before we get going with the list, we'll each talk about a song that wouldn't be in our top 12, but we'd still like to discuss. We call this our song of note. So, Jake, what's your song of note? So I went with a, a more recent song of theirs, and I, I picked this one because I feel like it doesn't fit in with the Allman Brothers space. It's more of a Warren Haynes song and Derek Trucks, but I picked Old Friend from Hitting the Note. I think I first heard this song on YouTube. It was like some footage of them backstage just in a room playing this. I was like, oh my God, this is like perfect acoustic slide blues. It just hit me. But yeah, these two guys, they have such finesse and masters of slide guitar. And just to pair these two guys together, it's just amazing. So I don't feel like it's Almond Brothers necessarily, but it's it's a great song and great guys playing this the song. The Dobro so. sound is pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. And the vocals come together and they even do some doubling of Dobros in there at some point. So it's organic and emotive and i really dig this song yeah it's a great song not one that i ran into you know most of the time as i'm listening through all the albums because it was so recent i think i saw that it was the only officially recorded almond brothers track that did not include an original member so it's kind of kind of an interesting highlight you know warren haynes for me is always is always going to be government mule and that's just mm. because of the order in which i heard him so you know when he has that particular graveling voice yeah. it always draws me in that direction but i love the dobro it's probably my favorite guitar tone of all time i agree so great great song and especially for blues it, it kind yeah. of just feels authentic mm -hmm. when you're listening to that and i think this song really does that so maybe you've not heard it in a while or maybe you've not heard it at all but here's old friend off of hidden the note jake's song of note. You know what? This is really good. I just kind of realized it. No drums. <laughs> <laughs> you and I love it. Just an old friend. Just an old friend to me. 
said hard times Just an old friend Just an old friend to me Tell me now all right, Jake. That was a pretty good uh, song note. So good. I dig. Mm-hmm. I dig Dobro. I dig yeah. all of that sort of kind of original sort of blues Stripped vibe. Down. Yeah. Yep. It makes it even when it's recorded later on. It feels like it's back in nineteen seventy or sixty or fifty or you know it's yeah. in that even like thirty. It doesn't quite sound thirties because it's the production. The production's much production's better. Yeah. Better, right? But. That's how it was originally done. Yeah, it brings you back to at least. Somebody uh, sitting on the front porch of a shack, just sitting there playing. Exactly. Talking about life. Yeah. That's America. America. (laughs) That's right. All right, Jason, what's your song of note? So I'm glad you like Jake's because that means you're going to like mine. And mine is uh, very similar to Jake's. It just has something a little bit better, and that's called piano. (laughs) So I'm going with Pony Boy off of Brothers and Sisters. Your nickname. That's right. (laughs) It's almost like you knew. (laughs) This is not a song I was familiar with before researching for the podcast. So this is just something I'm playing through the catalog and did a hard stop and went, wow, this is awesome. You know, the songs that I ended up picking for my 12, not a lot of Dickie Betts song writing credit songs made it in there, but this is one of the ones that that I felt like had to go in there and song note was the right spot for it. It's a Delta blues style song about celebrating life and having a good time. And in the morning you get on your pony and you ride home from the bar because the pony knows the way and Lord knows you don't anymore. So great old piano sound. Of course, the Dobro, some spoons that people are playing at the end, kind of like simulated horse hoof beats. I guess Butch Trucks was using a piece of plywood on the floor for some percussion, which you can kind of hear a little bit of a clap, you know, kind of a rolling clap, like how a piece of plywood rolls. Piano was simple, tasty, doesn't distract from the Dobro. Chuck was, Chuck was playing on this too. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think I said earlier, the Dobro is my favorite guitar tone of all time. So name the guitarist on this track. The other one. Oh. Tommy Fulton. <laughs> some some that's, trivia that's, for everybody. That's, that's that. super who, deep who, trivia. Yeah, you know, played a yeah. acoustic guitar on this track. All right. Anything for you, Jacob? Oh yeah. I love this song. This one was probably close to making my list also. So I'm glad that you threw it in there because it's kind of it's maybe a little bit similar like this song I picked, but what I love is what Dickie Betts does great is country blues when you strip mm-hmm. them down and that guy, it's just, it, it's what comes out of him. It's not even like forced at all. And I love the yeah, is Dobro playing here. It's so good. Hashtag so, we love Dobro. <laughs> yeah. It's a old timey blues feel, but like a little bit upbeat to it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of positive. It's kind of odd. It just says Dickie Betts all over it. It's that, And like, I love the of... accent notes that he uses on the Dobro, the way it kind of meshes with everything. Anyway, mm-hmm. let's listen to Pony Boy. Jason's song of note off of Brothers and Sisters. Let's listen. Pony Boy, Jason's song of note. Hooray. Check it out. There's some good piano in there. You probably won't hear it in the section we're going to play because the guitar is a little bit better. <laughs> well, that goes. All right. I'll go to my song of note. This is off a small album that people may not have heard of. It's called Eat a Peach. And it's a song. It's an instrumental. And it wasn't good enough, I think, to push into their 12. But it's one of the songs that I've always loved. It's so melodic and great finger picking in it. It's called Little Martha. Mm. It always seems so natural. I love the harmonic hits that he hits in here. It's a great tune. It works so well without the vocals. And it's the perfect way 
to end Eat a Peach, kind of remembering Dwayne because Dwayne was playing this. Mm -hmm. This is the only song Dwayne had as a sole writer. Mm -hmm. And he wrote it for Dixie Lee Meadows, which was a girl he was sleeping with. And uh, he used to call her Little Martha. He claimed, this is how Dwayne claimed this song came to him. It's kind of interesting. He claimed the song came to me in a dream, which Jimi Hendrix, he showed him how to play the song in a sink faucet in the hotel room. And he woke up and he started playing it. And Greg said, my brother loved playing that kind of stuff. I have to think there would have been a lot more music coming from him, of course. Mm. It's always been crushing. But it's always amazing how much Dwayne left this world with, from Layla to a bunch of other things Mm -hmm. that we don't think of almonds. But he's fantastic, and he was in this little window of life. Died at 24. Acoustic guitar legend. I don't know if you guys know him. He's really kind of obscure if you don't know that space. Leo Cate called Little Martha the most perfect guitar song ever written because it's finger-picking, it's acoustic, Mm. and it's in his space. It's just a fantastic tune. Yeah, totally great. Great song and note. I listened to it when I was younger, and I would get all inspired and go grab my guitar and start hitting a couple of notes and then quickly put it down. Yeah, get frustrated. Yeah. (laughs) And then play it on piano. (laughs) Yeah, right, because it's... But but no, it's inspiring and sweet and Was that guitar or guitar? That that was an actual guitar, yes. But again, I put it down very quickly because I realized that this is going to take some time. Great, great song and note. Yeah, a really impressive, beautiful acoustic guitar song. It was recorded like a few weeks before he died even, right? Right, yeah, yeah. Last Mm -hmm. thing, so... It's got a little bit more special that way. So yeah, it makes, it makes sense, a song yeah. note. It's him and uh, Dickie on this, right? Just them two? Yeah, just them two. Anyway, let's listen to my song of note, Little Martha, off of Eat a Peach. Let's listen. That was my song of note, but now it's time for the main event. The main event. Welcome to the main event. This is our Dirty Dozen, and we're going to start with number 12, which is as we do. As the Dirty Dozen, you have to start at the bottom, which is number 12. This is not on my list, but it's on y'all's list. Oh, good. All right. This is off an album, which I just we just talked about, which is called Eat a Peach. The song is Ain't Wasting Time mm. No More. This is Jake's 10 and Jason's 11. So, uh. Jake, take the lead, my friend. Yeah, I really like it. I think it's that weepy slide guitar that just sells it for me. It's kind of special because Greg wrote the lyrics for Dwayne after he mm-hmm. died. This has been one of my favorite songs for a long time. But after researching, finding out some of those little bits there, uh, yeah. make it a little bit more special. Yeah, Greg said most of it's about Dwayne, but some of it deals with people back in Vietnam. But mm-hmm. most of it's about Dwayne, to your point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was mostly written before Dwayne's death, but Greg felt compelled to record it after Barry and uh, J-Mo approached him. The music was done beforehand. Right. That's But right. the lyrics were not. Mm-hmm. Right. So he went down, I guess he was in Miami, Florida, and he's, he wrote the lyrics on a Steinway piano down there. The story goes... And, and Dickie apparently was working tirelessly on the slide parts. He was practicing on an airplane, is what I read. And I imagine that he's, you know, a perfectionist. He's doing it over and over and over again. It probably made everyone Driving just sick of that line. But in all fairness, Almonds had their own airplane. Well, there you go. <laughs> he wasn't sitting in coach. That's true. Probably fortunate for him. 
I enjoy the whole musical composition, the way the instruments fit together and draw you into the earnestness with which Greg sings the lyrics. I think it's just, it's a great, Mm -hmm. a great way to honor his brother. Some great lyrics, Sunday morning, the sunshine felt like rain the week before it all seemed the same. This is all about Dwayne. He's really sad. He's talking about depression that he's dealing with. But with the help of God and two friends, he came to realize I still have two strong legs and even wings to fly. You don't need your gypsy to tell you why. You can't let another precious day go by. Kind of realizing that he should have appreciated all that time he had with Dwayne. And he was gone in a motorcycle accident like that. Mm. You never know. So I think it's it's really kind of poignant that he came up with yeah. that. Some about too, I don't know, that the slide guitar kind of just feels like it conveys that. There's something about that instrument and yeah. everything that just like captures that emotion and yeah, it's, no. it's a soulful song. Yeah. Yeah, and it's an emotional song for Greg too. So yeah. it always kind of flows through that. And it's a really good number twelve. Ain't wasting no more time off of Eat a Peach. Our number twelve. Okay, that was the number 12. Ain't wasting no more time off of Eat a Peach. It's so hard to stop the songs as they're going. I know, I know. It's We, we listen to a lot of it here. I know you're only getting 20 seconds, which is, for the Almond Brothers, it's a small amount for sure. But listen to all of the playlists on Spotify. The entirety of all of this, and the links are in the show notes. No matter where you're listening to it, you can just click on it and go. You may have to open the actual file instead of the thumbnail that you can start playing on if you want so let's move to number 11 which is on no it's not on my list jake it's on no it's not on your list oh wow but it's a good song and it was just off my list so i'm not gonna rip on jason on this one (laughs) i'll do it this is off of idlewild south the name of the song is in memory of elizabeth reed Mm. so jason take it away it's your number three but it's our number 11 Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm blown away that I'm solo on this one. In Memory of Elizabeth Reed is one of the big instrumentals that the Allman Brothers had. And in my mind, when I'm looking at instrumentals that I could put on my top 12 and kind of lining them up, I mean, I, I loved all of them, but this is the one that for me had to be there. And honestly, when you look at the complexion of the composition and the movements and the way the instruments work together, that's why an instrumental made it so high on my list. The name comes from a headstone that Dickie Betts saw in a Macon, Georgia cemetery where the band used to relax and write songs. Apparently, that's one of those things that you do down there. <laughs> no, he, he actually used to hang out there and play, but he took a girl there. And the girl he took was Boss Skaggs' girlfriend. Right. <laughs> and as he was taking <laughs> Boss Skaggs' girlfriend, he noticed the headstone right next to where he was taking her or whatever. And that's Elizabeth Reed Napier. He wrote the song about Boss Skaggs' girlfriend, but then he had to change the name just to make sure that, you know, he didn't get found out. He didn't um, get his ass kicked. That's right. That's right. Rolling Stone in 2007 called it one of the 50 best songs over seven minutes in length. And then in 2008, gave it an honorable mention for the 100 greatest guitar songs. Hmm. Called it a, a blueprint of a concert warhorse. The New York Times said the riffs and the jazz-ish harmonies allow improvisers room. Um, again, I love the development, the movement, halftime triplets, overall creativity. 
this is a, a solid number three in my book. What? Well, it's the number eleven, and here's why. In in reality, <laughs> wait, what number was, was it? Your three? It was my three. Oh yes. wow, that's high. Yeah, it's really high. I can see why it's here, as we, as we mentioned. It's a jazzy journey. It reminded me a lot of Santana mm-hmm. in the front end. It gets into a nice riff at about a minute and a half in there, which leads into the solo. And the solos are great, though often melodic, but really, really good. The organ solo is good as well, but it's it's a little more sleepy than the guitar solo. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but it seems like the Shocker. instrumentalists have this opportunity to solo, that they solo as long as they want. And then they have the walk down at the back end to let everybody know that they're done. Right. And then they start moving on to the next thing. You hear that totally in this. I like that part of it, but it's way too long in the net net of it for me to have in my top 12 because it's an important song. Mm -hmm. It just, for me, when I listen to it, I don't necessarily listen to the whole thing. So I almost like fast forward halfway in (laughs) and I like Mm -hmm. the back end of it. It's interesting that... Elizabeth Reed is buried in the cemetery that Dwayne Allman is buried in, right. and Barry Oakley is buried right next to Dwayne Allman. Oh, I didn't know that. It's really freaky that Dwayne Allman died, and a year later, Barry died yeah. a block and a half from where Dwayne died mm-hmm. in the same town. Was it on a motorcycle? Motorcycle, yeah. motorcycle yeah. yeah. Right. And he got up and started walking around and said, I don't need to go to the hospital. I don't need to, and died. <laughs> so, because he had brain hemorrhage and a uh, broken skull or something. So let's listen to In Memory of Elizabeth Reed. No, you don't want my comments. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you already had your comments. Go ahead. No, I was going to say it, it's an insanely great instrumental song with all the right parts, but it's not my favorite instrumental of theirs. I, I do love the song, but I find myself skipping it often, actually. And you got to be, it's in a certain mood, time and place to be just wanting, wanting to, to hear fall that asleep song. yeah <laughs> and to let that entirety play out i'm kidding the back end is really good yeah but that's the thing where, where if i'm gonna pick an instrumental this just wasn't the one that i had on my list. yeah no i, mean, I hear you and it's, it's a really good song i'm sure live it's amazing i totally see why it's mm-hmm. here and it's an important song and i'm happy it made the top 12 because it's a song that's important i think for the almond brothers and fans of the almond brothers this is one of the songs that blow people away in concert mm-hmm it's also going to be 20, 30 minutes long in the live version. Oh, yeah. Versions. Easy. Right. So that's the downside of it, I guess. All right. <laughs> For some. <laughs> All right. Let's listen to number 11 in memory of Elizabeth Reed off of Idle Wild South. Now that Jake has had his opportunity to talk. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> to say why he doesn't like it. All right. <laughs> Let me crap on this song before you play it. All right. This, let's, let's take a listen. I like Idlewild South, by the way. It's all the Almond Brothers albums, especially when they have some live aspect of it. Mm-hmm. It's always good to listen to. Always good to listen to. All right. Let's take a listen to our number 11. I don't get this. I'm like, I'm enthralled. Right Tell now. me right now, if you put this on when you go to sleep, you'll be like, right, sleep like a baby. No. <laughs> no, I'm outside. I'm listening to every single note. Do, 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 do. All 
All right, that was our number 11 in memory of Elizabeth Reed of Idlewilds South. Now let's move to our number 10. This is on, not on my list. Dang it. <laughs> Three in a row? Jake, this is on, it's not on your list. But it's all Jason. This guy, yeah? It's all Jason's owning it. This is your number two overall. Is it off win, lose, This is our up? number 10. <laughs> this is at Fillmore East. The okay. name of the song is Stormy Monday, which I quite like a lot. The reason I, well, I'll let you talk about it and I'll tell you the reason why later. But, but tell me why I'm wrong later. Yeah. Right? <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's not a wrong thing. It's just I listen to blues for a long time. Yeah. And a lot of other people cover this over yeah. almost any other almond song mm -hmm. that made the list mm -hmm. so that was my thing it was like i hear different people playing this oh okay same as opposed to the almonds on this song which is why it didn't jump up i like their version of it but there's so many other really good versions of it that it's such a staple in the blues community that I kind of like, uh, yeah, they it's another band that did that as opposed gotcha. to yeah. that. And they do it well and it's fantastic and I do like it. But Jake, but I think I know why we'll let him talk, but because I think, but I Jake, let, 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 G, G, thank you, <laughs> Jason. Since it's high on your list and it's not on our list, but it's our number 10, you can take the lead, my friend. Yeah, Stormy Monday. Um, it's just an incredible blues song. Was that the one with Trump or is that somebody else? <laughs> oh, <laughs> ouch. The Almond Brothers version was the first I had ever heard. So for the longest time, I grew up thinking that that was an Almond Brothers song. Fair enough. It's a West Coast 12-bar blues. It's been covered by a lot of bands, but this one sticks with me because this is the version that I heard first. And I had the opportunity to play this out when I was part of a cover band for a very brief minute. And I remember working extremely hard. Are you hard. guys played this? Yeah, we did. Oh, I didn't remember that. No. Yeah. I remember working really, really hard on all the different movements. I love the richness of the organ. The chord progression itself is just the way the Almond Brothers do it, to me, is just it reaches in and grabs. Let me just get this clear. Much like Stormy Daniels, who also likes rich organs, your organ was was hard oh. on different movements. Oh, gosh. Depending on what movement you were doing. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Okay, I'm just making sure about The organ sounds were rich. I'm really rich. I'll show you that in a second. It was incredibly hard to learn. <laughs> For me at the time. But it was also kind of my first adventure into the... I'm sorry, I'm a two-year-old. Hey, Beavis. <laughs> it's hard, but it's not like hard. <laughs> Perhaps that would that's a true statement. So at the time, I had not really dabbled in a lot of blues. And so this was really my first, mm -hmm. first adventure into blues scales, blues harmony. Why does this work this way? Which, of course, the way the Allman Brothers arranged this, they added some of their own unique stuff to it. So it wasn't it's not a, a traditional blues. That's why I, I kind of referred it to more of a West Coast blues, because you've got some you know superfluous notes in there that kind of change some of the harmonies. Love the accented solos. For, for me, it's one of those that just grabs me and holds me has that special place <laughs> and uh, I, when i when i got it good enough to play out i don't think i did it quite the justice it deserved but it was one of the most fun songs to play i, I agree with what you said it's kind of a standard blues song but i would say any almond brothers blues they attack is killer like they they do there's a certain touch that they kind of elevate it to a point when you're like this is a little bit fresh and different what stood out to me was kind of the organ and there's a sensitivity that he kind of does where you don't you don't hear it, but it swells. It kind of wells up a little yeah. bit yeah. and then dives. And I think there was like that sort of finesse again, to use that word, 
that I think only if you're paying attention that kind of just, he, he knows which space to work in and kind of just adds that texture. And it really just like complements the song, I think. Agreed. By the way, T-Bone Walker was the guy who originally did it. Back in like the 40s or something, right? Yeah, yeah. He's he's the guy who this came from, and uh, he probably stole it from somebody else. That's the way that stuff works. <laughs> right. Anyway, mm-hmm. here's Stormy Monday, our number 10. Let's take a listen. That was number 10, Stormy Monday, off of At Fillmore East. Great tune. And we talked about probably one of the top five covers of this song ever. So our number nine is off of the original Almond Brothers Band album. This is on Jake's. It's not on your list. Jason, it's on your list. And it's on my list. Hey. matched on this one. Uh, this is It's Not My Cross to Bear. This is my nine. This is your seven. So, Jason, once again, take the lead. So, this is the first song that Greg introduced to the group that started the Almond Brothers, written about a former lover of his, which, as we learn about his history, you know, that's a, a long list. Um, it's, and it wasn't Cher, right? No, this was not. This was, I think this is pretty Cher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a non-traditional blues song. It doesn't quite fit like your, your standard eight or 12 bar progression. To me, that makes it way more awesome. It's like it's blues, but it's not limited to you know, the yeah, typical he blues structure. Yeah, he fourth or something in there. And yeah. Right. He changes the major four to a minor four. Yeah, yeah. So he, he adds like a little bit of jazz flair to it. And then he follows it with this really beautiful one, six, two, five resolution pattern, which is technical speak for, for chord numbers and under the uh, Nashville system. But. It's just has this really sweet and beautiful and yet sad. Mm, it's the, the Nashville system that that we like. And mm, you know, we like if you I was doing my nerdy voice, <laughs> which is pretty much my voice, which is sad. Yeah. <laughs> we couldn't even tell you were doing an impression. No. Okay. I just remember listening to this as, you know, early 20s person and having girl problems or relational problems or something. And I could sit there and just and listen to this song and just go. Man, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm like problems are being dumped on me, and it, it shouldn't be. You know, I'm the one that has to deal with it. This should not be my cross. You know, yeah. it's one of the staples for me in in the Almond Brothers catalog, and it's one of Greg's most soulful performances. Mm-hmm. I think his voice is so good in this. It is, and I love that James Brown stops in it. Yeah, which I'm calling James Brown. Yeah, you know, he just it's just that dead stop, but it's so good, and the solo is full of feeling and the great spacing in the solo. I love a lot. And the declining chord progression as it falls back into the chorus, so, so solid. Greg also played this on his I'm No Angel solo album, mm-hmm. so it made it even last a little bit longer. Bluesy guitar intro, so melodic. He kind of forecasts the vocal melody before the vocal melody comes in that solo mm-hmm. in the beginning, and it's really kind of cool. Really, really solid song. It's very important to me. And it's one of those songs that I really just get that awesome vibe. I will never shut this off. I really enjoy this tune. And it's a very, very good blues tune. And it needs to be on there, despite what Jake did wrong. (laughs) Uh, It was on my list and got nudged out because I agree with 
what you guys are saying too. And I, like I said before, Greg's voice on this one is just so perfect. It has that classic jam band sort of intro. It just leads right into that tasty blue tune. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, and it was up there and just didn't make it on mine. No, no, I yeah. I, I totally understand. Just this is number nine. Yeah, this is number nine overall, and it was my number nine, which I matched. Let's hear oh. from me. Woo. Yay. Self self adulation. All right. <laughs> and it's Jason's number seven, and it's our number nine overall. Let's listen to It's Not My Cross the Bear off the Almond Brothers Band back in 1969, where I bought my first real six string. I bought it at the five and dime. Back in the summer of 69, I think. Anyway, oh, that was a different band. That's a different band. Okay. <laughs> Let's listen. It's something about a bear, I think. I don't remember anyway. <laughs> they crucified a bear? <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you right now I'm sorry I put carbon in the air <laughs> You little white fuzzy bear <laughs> Always white Because the icebergs are falling down Be up and Just ain't my cross to bear. Oh no. That was number nine. It's not my cross to bear off the Almond Brothers band. I hope you enjoyed that 20 seconds because we enjoyed a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to all of it in its glory on our Spotify playlist, please. All right, let's move to number eight. This is not on Jason's list, this one. This is my number 12, and this is Jake's number four off her brothers and sisters. This is our number eight overall. It's called Ramblin' Man. So, oh. Jake, take it away. It's such a super catchy, well-written song by Dickie. It's one of those, like, classic rock staples. It is. It is. It, yeah, it is. It, even people who don't, maybe don't know Almond Brothers, you know the song, right, when it right. comes on. It's, um, it's more country pop than... Yeah, yeah, and that's what I would say about Dickie Betts is that country blues, the marriage of what he does, it's like his signature sound that he, he delivers. I just love how the song builds up instrumentally, especially about three minutes when it starts to really kick in. I think that's when like the lyrics are done, the band's feeling it, and they're just jamming, and then it fades. What I mean jamming, I mean like the song takes off. All of a sudden the lyrics are done, they're just not yeah. singing, and all of a sudden they're just like... Yeah, yeah no, no, I agree. Kicking yeah. in, and they're just they're driving. With yeah. It. Yeah. The original recording was sped up in the mastering process, which in addition to increasing the tempo by a few beats per minute, it raised the pitch up a little bit from G to uh, just below A flat. So if you're ever trying to play this, it's a couple cents down. I was the other day, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, A flat was too sharp, and G was... Wow. So if you do the tuning, you just have to tune it down just a little bit off of that. And you'll find it, but it's a painting, but because they did it that way, and it was old school, and this is... What year was this? We're talking... 73. 73, yeah. so they didn't have Pro yeah, Tools or No anything. digital, yeah. So they're not going to hit it exactly. So what they did is they pushed it down to something you could never play. <laughs> you can't play with the track ever. Yeah. You have to yeah. really just adjust <laughs> your, adjust the sense on your tuner <laughs> right? to get to the point where you can. But yeah, it's, it's really rough on this one. The guitarist Les Dudek played on this a little bit, which is That's just... Right. Not anybody knows who Les Dudek is, but he played on it. There you go. And, and the title was inspired by it, which is why I'm not surprised, Jake. 
he just didn't even care. He knew that Hank Williams had a song called Ramblin' Man. So he decided that <laughs> yeah. Ramblin' but Man has nothing other than a, the name. I know, that's all it is. But, you know, it's... But it is a theme that goes back to that classic Americana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Bat sings on this. He describes this as mostly autobiographical, telling the story of a guy who travels to many places and takes life as it comes. And Dickie said, when I was a kid, my dad was in construction, and I used to move the family band back and forth between uh, Central Florida's East Coast and West Coast. I'd go to school for one year, and then the next, and then two sets of friends I spent a lot of time with would be back of a Greyhound bus. And Ramblin' was sort of in my blood. Mm-hmm. The working title was originally Ramblin' Countryman. This was the last song that Barry Oakley recorded mm. before he died. Wow. It's crazy. So, I love this song. This is one of the songs that, in my view, there's like a big three of really classic Allman Brothers songs that get a lot of radio play, hugely recognizable. I put one of those three on my list. This was not the one. Uh. I just didn't feel like... Ramblin' Man, as good as it is, I didn't feel like it, it really drew out the talent and the capability of the band that it could have. I felt like it was almost a little bit too basic. It's kind of radio, right? It's it like it is, yeah. It's kind of, it feels like it's almost made for radio. Yeah. Again, love it, and I've sat down and tried to play it, and of course, it's that's, out of tune, so. <laughs> that's why I made my number 12. Yeah. It was like one of those things I, I thought I had to include. Right. Because it was such a huge song for them. You know, I didn't do something crazy like making my number four, but <laughs> man, but it's so. This was like the first and only hit single, right? Well, I think there's another one that's in that space, but yeah, it's one of the songs when I heard it wasn't always my favorite, but it was recognizable right away. And sure, do, sure, and it's it's right. Sure, there you, you may, you may think of a Dodge commercial, but that's okay. <laughs> I bet you wish you were in a Dodge commercial. I wish I was. <laughs> Give me that Dodge money. I need that freaking Dodge money. <laughs> Dodge money. And there you've heard it, folks. This Rob's one, Dodge commercial. Yeah, but we need video for that. You missed <laughs> You missed my dancing yeah. expertise. <laughs> I'm that fun of there. I don't care who you are. All right. <laughs> let's let's listen to number eight, Ramblin' Man, off of Brothers and Sisters. That was Ramblin' Man off of Brothers and Sisters, our number eight. Now let's move to number seven. This is not on Jason's list, but this is on both of our lists. This is Jake's number nine and my number five. This is off of Eat a Peach. The name of the song is Trouble No More. I always like the drum beat right off the bat. I'm a big fan of the guitar interaction with the vocals as they go through the verse. Some amazing slide work. And uh, Greg's delivery is so solid on the vocals. Yeah. And the drums fills right before the solo are so tasty on this. This was actually written by Sleepy John Estes. Actually, Muddy Waters wrote Muddy it Waters, in 55. Yeah. But it was based off of Sometime Baby Blues by Sleepy John Estes in 1935. So it's always that kind of incestual type of thing. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, kind of finding its own. He's renamed it to uh, Trouble No More. Original Muddy Waters had harmonica, but Dwayne's slide playing on mm-hmm. it kind of replaced it. And he does that kind of normally. Like if there's ever harmonica, you hear the slide play it in the yeah. Almond Brothers version of yeah. it. And uh, Trouble No More is just one of those songs that I just 
love, 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 love that tune. So, uh, Jake? Yeah, this one, it's one of those standout ones. It swings like crazy. There's certain songs that just swing and they throw that element of that sort of like jazz element into the blues. And like you said, Greg's voice is really perfect on this one. It is commonly known as the Muddy Waters classic, but I think they truly make it theirs. No, I agree. It's on like, what, three different albums, too, of theirs. I think I like the first album version of this as my favorite. I like the Eat a Peach because it's live. I kind of get that more real vibe from it, like that nuance. But I appreciate the the studio recording of it as well. But Mm -hmm. with the almonds, I tend to always fall to the live version nine out of ten times. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, again, one of, one of my favorite songs, nothing wrong with the song itself. I did feel like it was kind of straightforward. The complexity wise didn't really jump out and grab me. That's why it didn't go any higher for me. But then again, I also think it's a crime that we have to limit the Almond Brothers top songs to 12, <laughs> yeah. you know, so, you know, give me a top 20 and this was definitely would have been in it. Right, right. No, I hear you. All right. Let's listen to our number seven, Trouble No More. And I'm going to play the Eat a Peach because I am All right. dictator. Because you have your I hand on play. the mouse. So. And I have the, my hand on the mouse. <laughs> listen to them. And, and, we, and we, can play, we can play the studio track of the live. What does everybody want to hear? Studio. Everybody wants to hear studio say hi. Hi. Everybody want to hear the live version say hi. 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 There we go. We win. <laughs> All right. This is them actually playing it in a public setting. <laughs> Here we go. That was number seven, Trouble No More, off of Eat a Peach. The original title was Eat a Peach, mm. but, but that's not what they, they was. <laughs> Actually, that was leaked from the Supreme Court. They were going to call it that. <laughs> Highly doubtful. <laughs> All right, let's move to number six. This is on Jason's. No, it's not. Mm. This is on Jake's list and my list. This is off of Brothers and Sisters. Best album. And... I had it higher. This is my number six, your number eight. The yeah. name of the song is Jessica. And okay, my favorite United Kingdom TV show of all time is Top Gear. And this is its theme song. And it's kind of funny that Top Gear, if you've ever watched Top Gear, they kind of rip on Americans because they don't have the polished cars. Right. They have the muscle cars. Uh-huh. They don't have things that can make turns like Porsches and Ferraris and whatever. And uh, this is their theme song for probably 20 years. I love how the guitar melody works as a vocal line on this. Yeah. We right. don't there notice that there's no vocals. Right. Yeah. And right. structure it like a regular song. Right. Yep. And especially when you have two guitars playing. The piano is actually amazing on this. Mm-hmm. And how on earth do you miss this one? This is so <laughs> piano focused. And the piano was so incredible on this tune that I was so shocked that you didn't have it on this. The ascending piano right at the end of the piano solo mm-hmm. leading into guitar solo is one of my favorite parts of this whole thing. Yep. And it pairs that piano solo into the guitar solo so well. Great jam. Uh, Jake, I'll let you take some more before I take it all. Yeah, I was going to say it's probably my favorite instrumental of theirs and probably for the same reasons that you're saying, which is why I kind of nudged out Elizabeth Reed for me. Sure, sure. But there's just a feeling with this one. It makes you feel like you're like driving on a summer day with the windows down. It's just good vibes and a, a good tune. And it's got that kind of upbeat feel to it. And it's Dicky Betts, which I, I'm kind of partial to his songwriting. As we all probably know, it's like he wrote it 
when watching his little daughter like dancing around right and he was right. just playing the guitar to it one when he wrote this so she crawled into the room it just inspired him so yeah it makes it even kind of cooler in that sense jessica again is one of my favorite songs what kept it off the list for me the structure felt so oversimplified i think knowing what the allman brothers can do and knowing what we've seen them do in a variety of other tracks this is a great song and it's fun to listen to and but it doesn't tap into the depth of their talent the way that I want that I wanted it to. Betts really got influenced by this jazz guitarist, Yango Reinhardt, and Yango only used two fingers to fret with. Mm-hmm, right. He only had two fingers in his hand. So he devised a melody that he can play with just his index and middle finger, to your point, for the simplicity of it. Sure. But it was more he specifically wanted to give props to this guitarist who lost two fingers in a fire. Mm-hmm. It was totally on purpose. Right. Chuck Lavelle played on this as well. Yeah, he did. And, and again, just an incredible showcase of his playing ability. Um, I just, I, I wish he had been given more to work with in terms of the structure. And again, not to say that simple structure is bad. Piano is a support instrument. <laughs> not, in, not in this song. But to, No, no, no. There's a piano solo. It's actually yeah, cool. no, it's one of the most memorable piano solos. That's inspiring and it's, yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah. I just, if I have to limit the Elmer Brothers to 12, I have a hard time arguing for this one because there's so much other stuff that shows the complexity and the talent of the entire group working together. Um, so again, give me 20, this will be on there. That's interesting, knowing your list. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's listen to number six, Jessica off of Brothers and Sisters back in 1973. Best album Best ever. ever. All right, let's listen. That was Jessica off of Brothers and Sisters, our number six. I forgot to mention earlier, Jessica's melody is the happiest melody yeah. in any song I've ever heard. I hear you. It just and fills I, you with joy. Yeah. Which is why this one for me kind of stands out because there's an energy level from start to finish where like yep. we, we kind of were saying offline here about without vocals, an instrumental needs to kind of capture attention and carry the song. Whereas a typical listener wants to hear some words and something to kind of carry the melodies and stuff. But you can hum along, you can sing this, and the energy level's up there. So, And the guitar is the vocal melody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So this is why, for me, I kind of put this one a little bit higher than some other instrumentals. All right, we'll move from number six to number five. One of the most iconic Alma Brothers tunes that Jason didn't have on his list. <laughs> this is Jake's number seven. This is my number two. And really could even be considered for its number one. It's a cover, so that's the only reason it only made number two for me. It's our number five overall. This is off of the At Fillmore East album. Yeah. The name of the song is Statesboro Blues. And I remember learning this song, the Dickie Betts part, because I can play slide, when I was learning guitar and playing it through. And I just loved, loved, loved it. The slide in the beginning is butter. I think that's what mm-hmm. I... And the Fillmore East is perfect. Every other version is trying to approach the greatness of this version of it. Love the slides interplay with Greg's vocal in this tune. Mm-hmm. Dwayne goes so high with the slide beyond the frets. As we were talking a little bit before, I don't know if that was online or offline, but Dwayne brings his slide way up mm. the neck. 
and way beyond the frets. And he can play it up high, 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 high. Go into the concert. Baby, do you want to go? If you can't make it, baby, your sister Lucille said you want to go. <laughs> and I'll surely take it. Sure we'll yeah. take it. Which reminds me of Red House. Yeah, he says that Red, too. Yeah, yeah Red, Red House. House yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I remember Dickie Solo, as I said, learned it and loved the sound. Some covers make me think only about the almonds, and this is the penultimate hmm. version of this tune. Statesboro is in Statesboro, Georgia. And Dwayne Allman was influenced by the blues musician Taj Mahal, who recorded the song in 1968. As soon as you hear, okay, the Allman Brothers yeah. Band, mm-hmm. and you hear that, it's and ingrained. you're in yeah. that, and this song is so, this is what we talked about before, about a cover tune mm-hmm. that is the Allman Brothers. Yeah, that they is their own. Uh... And this song was the first tune, the Taj Mahal version, that Dwayne Allman ever played on slide, slide guitar. yeah. Oh, that's right. This is his song, and they played it from the infancy all the way forward. And whenever Dwayne played a concert in his life, the song was on it. Hmm. Statesboro Blues is just one of those staples. Oh my gosh, what a fantastic tune, Jake! Since it's on your list, yeah, it's a fun one to play. We've attempted it in uh, some other bands that I've been in. And always poorly, but it's still fun nonetheless. It's hard to um, hit that slide. You have yeah. to be really, really good. Again, it's it's a certain finesse that comes with slide playing that I think generally people don't realize that sort of touch, that element of it. It's not just like you attack it like normal riffs, right? You yeah. have to be comfortable playing open tuning. Yeah. yeah. But it's just killer slide, obviously. Great blues soak tune. It just scoots and grooves. It's just such a good song. And I had to put it up there just because it just... Uh, from early on, this one stood out to me as a great Almond Brothers. Yeah, if you think of the Almond Brothers, what are the first couple songs yeah. to hit? And this what is influenced you at the beginning? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, same. Yeah. So to the same point, it was not that way for me. Like, there's mm-hmm. other tracks that mm-hmm. influenced me way earlier. Hashtag on. no piano. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, byproduct, and, and the organ is a keyed instrument, so there's mm-hmm. a beautiful organ in there. <laughs> I love the intro, ba ba da ba bum. Yeah. And then the space, that's fantastic, classic blues. It's a great blues tune. It's second 12 for me, just not top 12. Wrong! You can't always be right. That's yeah. okay. Let's listen to our number five, <laughs> Statesboro Blues, which is surprisingly only number five, off of At Fillmore East. Let's take a listen. That was number five, States Bar Blues, fantastic tune. Mm-hmm. Let's move to number four. This is on all of our lists. Oh, for the first time. Finally. Finally. This is Jason's number 12. This is my number 10. And this is, oh, Jake's number two? <laughs> Off of Idlewild South, Midnight Rider. Jake, take the lead. Wait, this is number four with all of it? Uh, yeah, this because this is your number two. Why do you guys have it so low? Because we have it number 10 and number 12. It's, because uh... it's one of those songs that are poppy- yeah, but it's one of the big three. But it's nice, it's, and it's something we had to throw. I mean, on it's our not list. a number one, but it's such an important song. You put it at number two, so that's yeah. pretty much close to a number one. <laughs> it invokes all kinds of like 
good feels. One less than number one. Moody vibes. It's so well written. Very simplistic. Like it's stripped down a good song. Just so a simplistic number two. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like this is one that when you think of Almond Brothers, it's got to be up there in that high ranking. It had to be on my 12. Yeah. And when I looked at it, it was like one of those songs that this song, as opposed to the other song we talked about earlier of the poppy Almond Brothers, Midnight Rider is one that I will listen to. I won't shut off. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. And I'll play through the whole thing. Which means it should be in your top six. No, because there's other songs that I love better. Okay. Like Ramblin' Man, I'll shut off occasionally. Sure. But I agree. Man, I'd rather I won't. Right. Yeah. I feel like this is just, when you think of Allen Brothers Band, it's it's up there. It, it's not going to be yeah. my number one because it's, you know, it's not going to be like. I think two is too high, thing. but that's okay. I get it. I'm just the, the voice of the people, and I'm sure that they are. <laughs> They're up there. It's one of those songs that as soon as someone hears, again, they don't necessarily know who the band is, yes, but they no, know I get the it. song yeah. and Everybody knows get the up song. and shake their ass. We used to uh, play the song in the, the bar band that I was okay, in, Okay, that makes and, sense. And would always, like, everyone would, would uh, just lose their mind. Which totally it. brings it up a notch or two on your list. Uh, yeah. yeah, but also just the fact that, like, yeah, it's, it's one of those songs that just, it's like I said, it invokes all kinds of moods. It's just one of those songs that's so well written that mm-hmm. you, you just stop what you're doing and you're just brought into the song. Yeah, it's a classic tune. It's about continuing on in face of obstacles in your life. You don't know. And <laughs> I do. That's what they said. That's what Greg said. Greg wrote the song. He wrote it with Kim Payne. It's the guy who was the roadie for the band. He came up with the the lyrics, the road goes on forever. And I've got past the point of caring or someone to be sharing. So he gave shared credit with him on this hmm. tune, which mm-hmm. probably made the roadie a ton of money. Good for him. Greg Almond said, Midnight Rider hit me like a damn sack of pole handles. It was just there <laughs> crawling all over me. And then wow. about an hour and 15 minutes later, I had the what? rough draft down, putting it down on tape. Yeah. And he recorded it with Kim Payne in the middle of the night. He didn't want to lose the song when it popped in his head. The only person he can bring in in the middle of the night was J-Mo, who's the drummer. They had a break into the studio. Right. The way that I read the story was that he couldn't wait to record. He didn't want to lose the momentum, right? So he had to get in the recording studio. They couldn't get a hold of their producer. So he, he broke into his own recording studio and he didn't know how to operate anything. So he's like fumbling around, pushing buttons, trying to get something down. He gets down a very because basic it's track. tape. It's not like digital. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. But he's still he's he's one of those musicians that's incredibly talented and yet can't do anything on the engineering side. Yeah, right. um, which I just, just I, I find that to be funny. To me, the thing that really draws me into this track is the vocal harmony. All, All my brothers have good vocal harmony throughout their entire catalog, but this one, for some reason, really just it sucks me in. Oh my. It's one of those three big songs, you know, Midnight Rider, Ramble Man, and Blue Sky that get so much radio play and tend to be more, I, I don't call them poppy, I call them just more country. Yeah. And so I looked at those three and went, okay, the Midnight Rider is the one out of those three that I would put on my list. It's catchy. It's straightforward. The swirly organ is fantastic. Don't diss on our number one. <laughs> Wait, so what was your number, your ranking for this one? So this one was my number 12. And Oh God, 12? Yeah. <laughs> I it know, like just barely made it. 10. Oh my god. And I think of the almonds as a jam band, and this is not a jam band yeah. song. This is a, this is a radio friendly tune. Well, but if you think back to for example, it is really. It, yeah. Of, of the almonds catalog, this is a radio friendly tune. But it's way more straight country than But it shouldn't be. That's what makes it a good song is that it's just good on its own. Oh, I'm sure the radio, radio version doesn't have all of those awesome solos. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Because because they'll yeah. shorten it up and they'll tighten it up. And this is one of those songs you recognize in like three or four notes. You know, I think back to what yeah, we talked. Yeah, we talked it's about. Great. It's like, a great tune. 
Right. You know, you play dun, 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 and then everyone knows immediately. Right away. Is. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Totally. So with that's why it shouldn't be a 12. <laughs> I don't it shouldn't know if it, be a 12. I concur. I don't know if it should be a 2. <laughs> if you saw what his other songs were, you would totally really be annoyed. <laughs> but, but, but we will talk about that now. All right. Let's listen to our number four overall. We're going to fight by the end of this. Oh. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. There's got to be some some drama, I'm sure. Oh my God, we haven't been recording for the last two hours. I'm just <laughs> kidding. All right, let's listen to our number four, Midnight Rider. The song hits you on a level that, like, not being a musician, but I, just I, listening to the song. Yeah, that but I don't you, I don't listen as not a musician. Good. Well, you need to. I know. Maybe I need to. That's, a, that's maybe, a hard thing. You elitist. was Midnight Runner, our number four. We're up to our number three. All these can, songs um, are fantastic, but... Can people comment and, and say where they feel like that song should be ranked? Right. Midnight let's Runner. some activity on that Facebook page and okay. see what your thoughts are, the people. Yeah, yeah, let's listen to what your 12 are, especially when you start listening to our next three, all of which are on all of our lists except for the next one, which somehow missed somebody's list. <laughs> Jason, it's not on your list. I'm sorry, brother. It's my number three, and it's Jake's number one. <gasps> it's off of Eat a Peach. This is your three, and it's the number three, right? Yeah, it's the number three, but it's also one well, way out. My pick is from Matt Fillmore East, actually. I like that version. But, but they're both very good. And yeah. the Eat a Peach version is at Fillmore East, by the way. It is. Yes. So why not just say at Fillmore East when it first because, was recorded? Because, because I like the version on One Way Out better. Well, it's but, not about you. I know. I get it. Yours is higher, so we'll switch to the Fillmore East version. Okay? Yeah. Oh, my God. This is my favorite Owen Brothers song. I hear you. It boogies. This is one like when when you hear those first few notes, you're like, oh, it's like you get out of your seat. It's like give me three steps from Skinner. Yeah, yeah, it's that Skinner. It's that equivalent. There's one way out. I just can't go out that door. And this is what I listened to Colossal Street gameplay before they they were opening up for Johnny Winter. This song is so important to me. Yeah. And it had to be my top three. Could have easily been my number one. Oh. Should have been. I think Jason's been listening to a little bit too much Win, Lose, and Draw to miss this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love the main leg. The audience even clapping is so good. Yeah. The great drumming as well. The verse is engaging. Pulls you in. Great song throughout. Slide. Amazing. Because yeah. there's a man down there. Might be old man. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. The solo is epic. I love the call and answer between Dickie and Dwayne. Yeah. Because they kind of play off each For other sure. mm-hmm. and uh this version on eat a peach which is why i like it better is the final concert ever at fillmore east before the venue was shut down oh. this is the final this is it hmm. this is the song that was played at the end of their set and this is the final thing ever played at fillmore east which is the eat a peach version of it but we'll listen to the other version which was the <laughs> night before that jake likes yeah this is a sunny boy williamson song right and uh, elmore james and the elmore james re- may have recorded it earlier this is whole yeah. 
Then sexual thing that we yeah. always say with those old blues tunes. Right, and but the version that they're really covering is the Buddy Guy, uh, Sonny Boy Williamson version. Yeah. The, the song, it's got that boogie that kind of puts in your butt and you want to wiggle. Hey, I ain't putting no boogie in nobody's butt. That's nasty, man. What you talking about? Putting boogies in people's butt. You out your mind or something? Go to jail for doing something like that. Not to, the Eddie Murphy version. Yes, yeah. the Eddie Murphy version is really good. But there's just, like you said, there's the great, the great blues storytelling, that cheating man who's got to find a way out of the house because their man just came home and, and he's stuck there. Dickie Betts is setting that boogie feel that he does that gets you moving, like I said. Then Dwayne comes in with that slide and kind of how you were, uh, were saying when they, they kind of play off each other. Greg's vocals through the whole song, he just sounds like this soulful black man. What he always does just mm-hmm. channels that sort of soul that just is unique to that dude. Yeah, just an amazing song, and it feels too good. It's when I think of Allen Brothers, this is just the song that always comes to mind. Totally with I mean, and it's there. my top three, so yeah. I'm totally with you. And yeah. as I said, my one, two, and three were only shifted because of nuance. Yeah. So uh, as we get there, we'll see. Oh, Jason, you didn't talk about one way out yet. Well, it wasn't on my list, so I didn't think I did. At all? At all. No, and I wrestled with it a lot. It wasn't your number 12. It wasn't your number 11. It wasn't your number 10. It just wasn't even there. It wasn't there. It wasn't there. Win, lose, or draw was there quite a bit. <laughs> I don't even know. I, I thought Win, lose, or draw was a better song. I did. And it was an original, which I found out later because I actually ranked the songs first and then went back to see which ones were original. I had more originals on there than I think you guys did. Mm. Um, which so we'll get him a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. Jason, you want a cookie. Very good, fish. You win a cookie. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with the song. It just, no, it's just it the one way out is like the Almond Brothers in a song. No, see, to me, that, that's... Statesboro Blues is the Almond Brothers in a song. It's like all those songs are like... It's all the things that you know, the slide, the sort of the vocal yeah, line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the jam tendencies. That's okay. That's okay. We're not going to rip on Jason. This is all about one way out. Although Jason didn't have it on his list at all. <laughs> it's number three over. It was number three. It okay. actually matched me again. I guess I'll uh, settle for that. Yeah. One way out off of at Fillmore East. I mean, play which version you want. No, we'll play yours. You have the higher version. Yeah. I mean, it's my number one for God's sake. One way out, I just don't know. Yeah. That's, that's my part. favorite part of the song. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. That was the number three. One Way Out off of Eat a Peach. Or that, that was off of At Fillmore East, the Either version one. we just listened yeah, to. One. Both of them are excellent. It's a deluxe version. If you want to listen to that, it's At Fillmore East. The deluxe version has One Way Out on it. The regular one does not. So make sure you're listening to the deluxe Allegedly. version. And that's not allegedly. That's <laughs> that's some truth, brother. And the next one is on all of our lists. This was my number four. This is Jake's number five, and this is Jason's number four. Oh. So we made it. This is our number two. This is off of Brothers and Sisters. This is our number two overall. And uh, Jason, since you have it highest, I'll let you take the lead. The name of the song is Southbound. Southbound. So this is a Dickie Betts song, 16 bar, heavy piano. I actually used to go and watch a friend's 
cover band, an Allman Brothers cover band. They called it Southbound, which I think every cover band of the Allman Brothers calls themselves Southbound or One Way Out or something like that. But that notwithstanding, to go watch them down at, what was it called? The, the Palomino or Palominos down in... Paladino? Uh, Paladino. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah. So they would play at nine o'clock and then what was the really famous Led Zeppelin cover band would play at like Led Zeppelin again? Led Zeppelin again, yeah. So I would watch them play down there and they always included this song in their track. Sure, sure. So this always reminds me of those days. Chuck Lavelle's piano solo is awesome on the song. This is the kind of Allman Brothers tune that really catches me and and draws me in. Probably again because there's a little bit more prominent keyboards in it. So yeah, take take it for what it's worth. It sounds immediately like the Almonds to your point. The guitar and the piano merge together yep. so well. I love the groove, Greg's vocals, the verse is really good. It reminds me a little bit of Killing Floor by Howlin' Wolf, which I mm. love mm. Uh, as far as the musical structure of the song. I love how it changes musically in the chorus with that sort of climbing riff that it uses. Mm-hmm. The solos are so good. The guitar one's a better, obviously, but the <laughs> piano one is great as no. well. You know, it's a one, four, five generally with some stops and starts and uh, a little boogie woogie from uh, Mr. Lavelle. Fantastic tune. Yeah, the bass lines on this one for me are really fun focusing on, like we were saying before, of, of songs that kind of showcase that the bass. This one is for me really good in that sense. And that tasty guitar solo that kicks off. What a jam. That's a good one. Yeah, Southbound's a fantastic tune. The second best song ever by the Allman Brothers Band. Let's listen. Once. That intro is just amazing. Yeah. Timing and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And That's the, so the piano's playing a counter melody underneath yeah. the guitar solo. Yeah. That's freaking cool. That was number two, Southbound, off our brothers and sisters. That leaves one more. What could it be? Already? What could it be? It's off the Almond Brothers Band. Back in 1969, this is my number one. This is Jake's number three. And Jason's number one. Wait, we matched on a song We matched here? on number one. After all this After wrestling. all of this. Because we didn't talk about win, lose, or draw at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Whipping Post, one of the biggest songs ever by them, an original tune by the Almonds that is at that pinnacle of what the Almond Brothers are. And Jake, you have to admit this is in your top three anyway. It's my third. It's your third. My number three. My number three, and it's uh, Jason and yeah, my number it's... one. And Jason, <sighs> you're correct. I appreciate you. <laughs> I appreciate it. So, Jason, why don't you start us off? This is this to me is the Almond Brothers. F- you know, front and center, backwards and forwards. Yes, this is one of them that I played out, so it's got that special spot for me. And yes, the the verses in twelve eight and the chorus in eleven eight are yeah. really hard to learn. And I, I probably didn't do it very good justice, but I worked my butt off to get this one, and it was so f- much fun. It was one of my favorite songs to play live. I have this little quote by Greg Almond. Man, I just stumbled into him. I really didn't know exactly what I was doing. I just did it. My brother had to tell me that Whipping Post was an 11-4 time. Yeah. 
I had no idea, and that wasn't one of the times you mentioned. But I, I agree that it's eleven eight, and it's a Time twelve, schmime. and well, it's a twelve eight, and, it, and it's really weird how it jumps around. But yeah, it's, it it's really really good. Yeah, it's yeah. It, it, it's it actually is an eight, and and he's wrong because it's the way that that it's that you count it. It's it's an eight. No, I, it, I, I, the get, eighth it, I notes get it. Are, the eighth notes are are. Or take up an entire beat. So I get it. Sorry, you're smarter um, than Greg Allman. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Greg didn't even know what it was. So no, no, no. I, I, I can correct. I think you're correct. It's eleven eight, um, twelve eight. Yeah. So one of the stories I read said that uh, Greg wrote it um, in 1968 in Jacksonville after returning from L.A. He had the idea in the middle of the night, like all of our good ideas come, right? Mm-hmm. In the middle of the night when you don't have a pen, you don't have a piece of paper. So allegedly he used burnt matches on an ironing board. And Barry Oakley wrote the bass line. And the rest of the song was written around it. Do, they do play some variations in live shows. I think Fillmore East, the, the track is 22 minutes long. And that's the one I put on my list saying that that was the track we should listen to. Yeah, that's the one when I'm at a bar and... At a jukebox, uh-huh. I played that to get my money's worth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and to Jason's point, it's the iconic bass and the drums and the two guitars with their own separate parts mm-hmm. in the tune, which is great. The organ is sweet as well in the verse. He he does really well. It's iconic. Love the chorus, Dickie and Dwayne. I so love how they they double at times and they find space for each other and the riffs kind of intertwine with each other, mm-hmm. which aren't the same riffs, but they kind of fit. Good Lord, I feel like I'm dying. Mm-hmm. Come on. Great lyric, uh, it's, yeah. Fantastic it, lyric, yeah. <laughs> Dickie Betts said, when Dwayne and I would work on harmonizing parts, I didn't use a technical approach. We didn't structure scales or spend time figuring out what should work. We approached the harmonizing guitar parts the same way as we approach vocal harmonies. We would try to differ and go with what sounded best with our ears. Mm-hmm. It's one of those tunes that is the Allman Brothers Band. And yeah. and especially since they wrote this one, that's the only reason I put this above my two and three. So they're all really solid. My top three were interchangeable, and this made my number one because it was original. And Jake. yeah, it it is. It's classic and infamous. It is Alma Brothers to a T. It's another one that swings. And you don't even pick up like we're saying on some of those odd timing sections. It just feels good and natural. And I played this no. live as well, Jason. Oh, okay. Same. It's been, it was, it's a fun one to play. It's not as hard as it may kind of sound as a musician because it makes you feel like there's some things that are not lining yeah. up, but it, it does kind of fall on naturally. And to your guys' point, it is like their own 100%. So it does kind of get a little bit of a, a boost there, but that, which is why it's my number three. So you're admitting you're wrong. It should have been wrong. <laughs> no, I'm just admitting that it's high up there. You're admitting it should be in the top three. But just yes. because, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's no, no, I, I concur. I concur. All right. Let's listen to the number one song ever created in the lifetime of the Almond Brothers band. Anything put to vinyl, this is the, the shit right here. A whipping post off of the Almond Brothers band in 1969. We could also put a million live version of this because believe it or not almost every live album by the almond brothers band has a version of this song but i'll just be simple and use the almond brothers original song with this so let's listen to our number one overall whipping post Okay, that was Whipping Post, our number one song of all time. So good. All of by the Almond Brothers. 
It was in your top three. It was Jason and Maya's number one. And we matched, Jason. So yeah. everything else that comes next is just re- realize we matched the number one. That's right. <laughs> just remember you shared this moment. <laughs> and how fleeting it was. Yeah. <laughs> so let's look at the songs that missed the cut. Well, why don't we start with mine? My number seven that missed the cut was Black Hearted Woman off of the Almond Brothers Band, which I love. My number eight, Melissa off of Eat a Peach. Hmm. And my number 11, Blue Sky, off of Eat a Peach. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah. So I'm going to go with number eight. I'll talk about Melissa real quick. It's a lot airier than a lot of the almonds. Kind of positive, uplifting. Uh, love the riff after the vocal hook. You'll always run to sweet Melissa. Yeah. I love that riff. It's a great part. The interplay between the lead guitar and the vocal is stellar in this song. I love how the guitar moves dynamically as the vocal line intensifies as well. And they both sort of intensify. It's interesting. This is Greg Allman speaking. This is his quote. I wrote this song called Melissa. I just started strumming it and hit these beautiful chords. He realized that his brother had tuned the guitar to open E. So he realized that, hey, I'm playing in this different tuning. It's a great example of how different tunings can uh, open up different roads for you as a songwriter. The music immediately made me feel good. And the words just started coming to me. I had everything but the title. I thought, back home, we always run to Sweet Barbara? No. Diane, we always run to Bertha? I, I couldn't put it away. So I put <laughs> it away for a while. So one night I was in a grocery store, and it was my turn to get the tea, the coffee, the sugar, and all the other crap. And there was a Spanish lady there, and she had this little toddler with her, this little girl. And I'm sitting there getting a few things and what have you. And this little girl takes off running down the aisle. The lady yells, oh, Melissa, Melissa, come back, Melissa. I'm like, oh, that's it. And I forgot half the stuff I went for. I went home and (laughs) and man, it was finished. And that's where Melissa came from. That's a great story. Stand alone, the song. It's a great, simple song. It feels good. It's a good song. It's just when it comes to like sort of these like top elite songs, we're trying to like whittle the fat. And it just didn't make it yeah. up there for me. It was better than One Loser Draw, just saying. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait. I, th- I sense a common theme here. Hold on. We'll talk about that in a minute. Let's listen to my Miss the Cut, Melissa, off of Eat a Peach. Here we go. All right, that was my Miss the Cut, Melissa. So let's talk about Jake's songs that missed the cut. You can pick one. Your number six was Wasted Words off of Mm. Brothers and Sisters. Mm. Your number 11, Come On in My Kitchen off of Shades of Two Worlds. And number 12 was Revival Mm. off of Idlewild South. So, Jake, which one do you want to talk about? Yeah, I kind of want to do Come On to My Kitchen, but I won't because it's that Robert Johnson cover that they do and make it their own. It's super great, but... They do. It's a good song. Yeah. Especially when MTV was doing their Unplugged episodes. Yeah, It was an Allen Brothers series that they did there, and it was from season one, Okay, pick one, not three. Well, you asked me about that. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to go with Wasted Words just because I had it high on my list. It was my number six. I feel like... Greg's voice really has 
a Ronnie Van Zant quality to it. This isn't why I like the song, but it has like a Zeppelin sort of, or not Zeppelin. <laughs> That'd be Skinnerd. Yeah. Skinnerd sort of. Uh, Ronnie Van Zant is now the lead singer of Led Zeppelin. To that, and it, it kind of opens with that weepy slide. So for me, I don't know. This was kind of higher on my list, and I thought it was a little special. Uh, and I'm gonna make that as my uh, miss the cut thing. One of the great things about this tune is it's one of the last songs that Barry ever played on. Yeah. Of course, he died on a motorcycle accident in 1972. So, uh, good tune, Jason. Uh, I like the tune. Again, it's definitely second top 12 for me, but yeah. uh, it's nothing wrong, nothing wrong with it. Amen. All right. Let's listen to Wasted Words off of Brothers and Sisters, Jake's Miss the Cut. So that was Jake's Mr. Cut Wasted Words off of Brothers and Sisters. All right. Jason, you had five songs that were cut. Number five, Stand Back off of Eat a Peach. Number six, Win, Lose, or Draw off of Win, Lose, or Draw. Let me repeat that. Win, Lose, or Draw was your number six. Your number eight was Can't Lose What You Never Had off of Win, Lose, or Draw. And number nine, Dreams off of the Almond Brothers Band, the original album. And number 10, Good Clean Fun off of Seven Turns, way back in 1990. Mm, that's a good one. Jason, which one are we going to talk about? I don't think you could talk about Stand Back, and I don't think you should talk about Dreams, and I don't think you talk about <laughs> Good Clean Fun. Nudge, nudge. <laughs> so pick which one of the win, lose, or draw ones you want to talk about. <laughs> Wow, so much hatred for that album. Well, if you understand what happened when the recording of that album, you'd understand why. Well, yeah, because the bands had massive drug problems. You know, Greg's marriage to Cher was falling apart, and so he was... They weren't in the, the same area. Right. When they recorded it, they handed everything to Greg, and he just put the vocals on it. It was right. a very... Yeah. Like, if you asked them about One Lose Your Draw, they said that was the worst album we've ever done. Yeah. And yet, I thought two of those songs were good enough to be in the top 12. That's the point. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no right. pick any of there, them. That's fine. There's some iconic stuff about good, clean fun. So I'm going to go with that one. Um, okay. That's actually one I don't necessarily hate. Although it sounds like a ZZ Top song. But go yeah, ahead. Yeah, that's what I put. It sounds like ZZ there Top. There we go. There we go. I says it gives a little bit of that ZZ Top feel. That's yeah, right. Right off the bat. I yeah. put that Blue Sky sounded like James Taylor, so... <laughs> well, that's, that makes sense, too. Anyways, Good Clean Fun off of Seven Turns in 1990, which nobody else had any tracks off of Seven Turns, I don't think. No, we didn't. No, um, this was my number 10. So this is their first single since their 1982 breakup. It was a return to their harmonic guitars and slide hooks. This was much better than a song you had higher, Windless or Draw. <laughs> uh, well, I, I didn't think so, but this is what I'm talking about. Um, this is your number 10. This is my number 10, Yeah. Um, this was Leonard Skinner, 1991 type of good. But that, again, that, yeah. that, I don't disagree with that. <laughs> it was the first song where uh, both Dickie and Greg received co-writing credit. It was the first song. Is this the first song ever for them? Yeah. That's that's one of the notes that I had. That, okay, that, that, they actually that, had that could be true. That's interesting. It's the first song from the Elman Brothers that was ever made into a music video. Because they were never really big on MTV. Oh. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. First appearance by Warren Haynes and Alan Woody. Yep. I'm Woody. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Ah, ha, ah, ha. Give me that. 
So dual guitars, great bass walks. It's got a a really catchy West Coast swing. Fantastic line. Please don't think I'm moving in for the kill. If you don't want to love me, somebody else will. Just a really catchy, fun song. Definitely didn't think it deserved to be any higher, but it it was in my top 12. And it was your number top 10, actually. Yeah. What I said early is easy top in my head, which we talked about. Good tune, but in your top 10 of all time. Yep. Almond Brothers Band? Really? Uh, <laughs> but I can see this being on your song of note, which I think by putting it in your number 10 was what you wanted there, to do. There's too much iconic <laughs> stuff that happened with this song to, to leave it that far down, though. I mean, look at look at all the firsts for it. And it was kind of like, this was the band's reawakening after all the stuff that had happened to it. Yeah, it makes sense when you're looking at it from those facts. After the, after the awfulness of your number six and your number eight song. <laughs> what are those? Win, lose, or draw, or can't lose what you never had off of win, lose, or draw. I, I love both those tracks. <laughs> I don't win, even know draw, those songs. Win, lose, or draw is a fantastic ballad. Yeah, it's a fantastic album if you have people who don't want to play with each other and they just fold it in. Well, but, but the, <laughs> what's amazing is that they phoned it in and it was that good. And they phoned it in and, and they literally said, this is the worst album we've ever done. I'm embarrassed <laughs> to do it. Yeah. But but Jason loved it. So that's good. So Jason was the marketing that they should have went after. <laughs> hey. But that's okay. It works. As I said, Good Clean Fun is actually, of the choices you could have made, you've chosen wisely. Yeah. So let's listen to Good Clean Fun off of Seven Turns. Jason's missed the cut. That was Jason's Mr. Cut. So let's be kind and rewind. So let's remind everybody what the Dirty Dozen was for the Almond Brothers Band. Number 12, Ain't Wasting Time No More. Number 11, In Memory of Elizabeth Reed. Number 10, Stormy Monday. Number 9, It's Not My Cross the Bear. Number 8, Ramblin' Man. Number 7, Trouble No More. Number six, Jessica. Number five, Statesboro Blues. Number four, Midnight Rider. Number three, One Way Out. Number two, Southbound. And number one, Whipping Post. Whip it. Whip it. By Diva. Good. Thank you, everybody who's been uh, through the podcast so far. And thank you, Jake, man. We've been through so many of these episodes it's just such a blessing that you have been a part of my life and how our friendship has grown through the podcast. Yeah, just with our, uh, our snobby music opinions on all these bands. <laughs> <laughs> but the first two seasons, you were the man. You were there for everyone. And I truly appreciate you. Yeah. Jason, thank you, brother, for stepping up and handling the biggest podcast we've ever done yeah is this guy has been you and pink floyd so far and go, go to date to date to date i mean Let's maybe maybe, maybe somebody can pull it out but i don't think so thank you for all your friendship it's been a blessing to play guitar next to your keyboard Although your keyboard sometimes can push in the background. Like some of the songs that were, it hasn't been where you've been able to let loose. It's been such a blessing, you know, to play with you 
And Jake, you too, both of you. Yeah. And to everybody who's listening, this is one of the the weirdest moments that I've ever had at this podcast. Mm. We're 76 podcasts in, and life is yeah. making some changes. I am moving to San Diego. We're going to be taking a break. We're not ending the podcast, but we're not going to be able to make it every two weeks, at least for the short term, until I pack all my shit up. <laughs> And move it to somewhere else. Yeah, reassess. And, and, and sort of get to the point where I can rebuild my studio somewhere else. So we're probably taking about two months off. And we're going to try to do some get-togethers, whether it's via Zoom and trying to uh, get people recording it live on their end and live on my end so it won't sound Zoomy. and uh do that but i hopefully i'm gonna be living close enough to the beach where it's gonna be a good time for jason to visit me and jake to visit me we're gonna have a guest room for sure and we're gonna have a pull-out couch in our living room for sure so there's gonna be space for everybody to stay even if the parents are in the guest room and the kids are in the living room or whatever it is or in the tent in the backyard which is totally fine (laughs) and we'll figure stuff out or we'll be on the beach not that my house will be on the beach because there's zero chance of that but you never know if we rent maybe it's been such a blessing to do this with everybody and uh lord i couldn't imagine that when Jake and I did Soundgarden at the first episode, yeah. that we'd be doing episode 76. <laughs> wow. And all of you have been so wonderful in putting this forward. And mm. thank you. I mean, you're talking about all of these people who've been so instrumental in keeping this going. And the hours. That, I mean, we are all guests on this, but the hours that you put in to, like, yeah, to yeah. not just edit. But to put in the whole, like, the preface, the sort of, like, intro thing. All the little clips, right? Yeah, you know, the, and... everything, like, the uh, the brunt of this all is on you. It's, so the amount yeah. of hours that you put into yeah. this thing is is uh, recognizable for sure. Sure. Well, thank you. Because <laughs> we just show up and, like, you know, put spout our opinions. That's on right. Yeah. But you got to do all this this work. So all 76 episodes is uh, I know. more so on <laughs> that That burden is on uh, yeah, you, but my it's, friend. Uh, but for me, it's been this sort of thing is something that comes across once in a lifetime. Yeah. That I've had an opportunity to forcibly spend time with my good friends. Yeah. Mm. In a, when I'm married, while all this other stuff is happening, yeah. that we get to hang out and, and spend out. four hours <laughs> a night. Granted, you only hear two hours or an hour and a half or an hour, depending on which episode you're listening to. But we get to spend time as friends talking about music. And who gets to do that? Right. You know what I mean? Most of the time in life, you're stuck in, if I'm going out, I have to hang with my wife. And we have to have wife friends and man friends and whatever. And then we go out and we have dinner and we have whatever we do and we move on. But this, for me, has been a blessing that every two weeks, I've had an opportunity to spend with you. Hmm. And Jake, even more so with you. 
because for the first year and a half, it was just me and you. Yeah, we were pulling all the bands. Everything. It's sad, but it's very amazing Mm -hmm. that we've had this time. Yeah. And I think we can still have some more time. I apologize to all the people who are listening, and I'm talking to the Hennens. I'm talking to Michael Smith. I'm talking to all the people who listen to this regularly. Yeah. That we're not going to be able to do this on an every other week point of view, at least for the short term, until I can kind of get my feet on the ground in uh, San Diego. And I'm moving from Los Angeles to San Diego, in case you haven't missed that. We haven't put our house on the market yet, so it's going to take a little time. So what I'm thinking is, you know, by September, we'll have another episode, whatever happens. And... Everybody who's ever hosted on this podcast, from Jake, Jason, to even Gina, anybody who's ever want to spend time in San Diego on the beach and want to have a week off, come down, hang out at my house. And the only payment you're ever going to have to make from us is maybe do a quick podcast with me. (laughs) Couple hours, a couple yeah. hours, and the rest of the time just and hang on big. the beach and yeah. go to uh, Legoland or go to wherever Sea World, San Diego <laughs> Padres baseball game or whatever. We'll figure it out. So uh, thank you everybody who's listened to this point. Holy crap, we've been through seventy six episodes. That's a big number, and it's amazing. And thank you all. And listen. There are there's stuff you haven't heard because not everybody has the same amount of listens going through this. So now's a good chance to catch up. Check it out. Dig deep. And when we come back, it's going to be better than ever. Uh, I'd love to start tomorrow, but reality is I got to pack stuff up. I got to put my computers in a box. I got to hope this house sells for what I hope it sells for. (laughs) I have to hope I can buy a new house for what I hope I can buy it for. And then I have to wait for that to close. And it's 45 days for this to close. And it's 45 days for the next one to close. It takes months, really. So it takes a while to run through. So, Jason, thank you. Thank you. It's been a privilege. And, uh, Jake, thank you. And just realize that it's always there. And I'll always keep this online as best I can. That's what's really cool to think about, like, how many years may pass, but this is all preserved and, like, in September 2018, we did our first yeah. episode. See, we could always revisit this. Yes. Yeah. It's done, locked in, preserved, and always there. And there we go. Yeah. Yeah. We did something. We did a cool thing. Yeah. yeah. And it's great. And I'll and miss, see where it goes. And I'll miss you guys on a daily basis. Yeah. Trust me. For sure. And uh, thank you, everybody who's been listening and been a part of this podcast. I am so blessed that you took the time. Everybody, thank you. So I will see you in two months or so. God bless, and I'll see you soon.